Hi, we're Grace and Clara, here to shake up the world of women's health. We know firsthand how intimidating it can be to speak up when it comes to issues like your menstrual cycle or menopause. That's why we created Unprocessed, a weekly podcast where we dive into every aspect of women's health, from mental well-being to physical nutrition. We're here to ask the burning questions and encourage us all to advocate for ourselves. So get ready for some smart, cheeky and witty discussions about all things women's health. Welcome back to the pod, everyone. We hope you're having a fabulous week so far. Clara and I often talk about how overwhelming it can be to find the right products for our skin. And today we are diving into the world of skincare with dermal therapist and all-round skincare expert, James Vivian. But first, Clara, we have seen a lot of chatter on our social pages around women stepping away from the pill. When I was 16 years old, I had the worst acne you could imagine. I would go to school and kids would call me pizza face. It was bad. Cry for the little Grace. Yeah, poor little Grace, not knowing how to do makeup, putting concealer all over my face, thinking it would fix the problem, but it was just orange and blotchy. It was embarrassing. And I remember crying to my mum every day because my skin was so bad. And finally she said, okay, we'll put you on the pill. And she pushed that out for as long as possible, but that was all she knew what to do. So we went to the doctor again on the pill And at first my skin was clear and I was feeling so good about myself. But then I got all these side effects and I just ignored them because I really wanted to have clear skin. And then I went to the doctor and they said, oh, it's just the pill you're on. We'll put you on a different pill. So I kept trying different pills and I would notice it crazy things. It would affect my mood. My acne would come back. I would get pains in my nipples. Sorry, TMI, but... And I would like, oh my God, I have breast cancer. I need to go to the doctor. Like it just freaked me out. I'd also get weight gain and bloating. And after recording some episodes with some of our hormonal health experts, I'm like, why did no one tell me the impacts of the pill and what it does to our body and what it does for our future fertility? Why was I not educated as a 16 year old girl. And I just wish there was more education around that for me at that time. And now I have to go backwards to fix my body for any future fertility plans. I was on the pill probably when I was 16, 17. And again, it was all around my period pain and trying to manage my period pain. And I just didn't even think anything of it. Like I just, I honestly, everyone else was on the pill. It wasn't even a moment's thought. I just went, yeah this will help. Off I go. I was on the pill for quite a while. You know, I was young, so I kept on forgetting to take it. And Mm. then I went over to London, probably in my early twenties. And I, I kept on forgetting to take it. And I was like, you know, I need a better solution. So I decided to do that injection, which is a three-month pill. And I went crazy for a year. Crazy for a year. Yeah. So my hormones were so unbalanced, had really bad mood swings. I've never really fought with my best friend ever. I'm not, I'm not, I'm a lover, not a fighter, but like <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm not that, I'm not confrontational, very confrontational at all. And her and I almost lost our friendship over it because I was uh-huh. just so argumentative and confrontational and it totally changed who I was as a person to the point that I didn't even know, by the way, that that was what was affecting me. It's just that I happened to come back. So I only did it once and it was Mm. only supposed to last the three months, but I think it took a year and a bit to come out of my system 
And when it finally came out of my system, I was totally normal and I was my old self. It was only, I think, about five years later that I even put two and two together that that's what had happened because someone else told me they had that exact side effect. And I actually thought at certain points that I was highly depressed. I was, you know, anxious. I was, I was horrible, (laughs) horrible to be around if I now look at it. And it was all down to that pill. When I eventually realized that was it, I didn't want any of that stuff in my body and in my system. And I reacted really badly. And now obviously with the diagnosis of endometriosis, I've realized that I do get PMS quite badly. Um, I get anxiety quite badly from it. Um, though really that's only actually been on the, uh, since I had Kinsley up until then, I wasn't really anxious. So I think that was just a hormonal change as well. But again, same thing. So I think this pill was giving me these weird hormonal changes that just, as I said, sent me crazy. So I can understand why people are starting to get off it. I was exactly like you guys. I didn't look into it at all mm-hmm. when I was, you know, 16, 17. I had no idea what I was doing or what I was putting into my body. Obviously, that's what I'm going through And like, so I'm coming off, I'm getting breakouts. My moods are all over the place. I cry over everything. Well, I cried over everything before, but more so. (laughs) (laughs) But for me. Yeah, I know you guys, you did. (laughs) I did cry. I'm sorry. But for me, what I would love, and this is asking for change and putting it out Mm. there and manifesting it. What I would love, whether it's in the mm. school, whether it's the doctors, naturopaths, I would love to see more education for young women coming through so they aren't where I am at 29 years old battling yeah. all these crazy side effects. We need to learn more about our bodies and not even at 16. We need to be learning mm. about our bodies from 11, 12. Like our bodies are getting this influx of hormones and these kids don't know what's wrong with them. So where's the education to support them? Yeah, agreed. And it's also around that, that taking the pill is this be-all solution to so many problems that you have. So again, I have endometriosis and it's really interesting that what I have found since researching, and I heavily spent the weekend researching, but one of the things that came up was that naturally in when you're in your teenage years, periods can cause some pain. So that shouldn't happen beyond your teenage years. And I'm not saying that, you know, again, I'm trying not to normalise pain at, by any means, mm-hmm. but there is some period pain that occurs when you're in your teenage years. And that's sometimes what masks or why I think doctors, when they're 15, 16, come to you and say, you know, and you say you've got period pain, they're like, it's normal. So I kind mm-hmm. of read that and went, okay, that that makes a little bit more sense to me. Now that's, that should stop after a certain amount of years. So again, you know, once you're starting to get into your late teenage years and beyond and you're still getting pain, it should not be normal by any means. But this is when we start putting people on the pill. So, Mm -hmm. you know, again, we're masking what's going on with endometriosis because people are on the pill, so that's supposed to help with the pain there. You're masking, as you said, hormonal imbalances through skin, so, you know, which is the breakouts, et cetera, but then you stay on the pill. These are all symptoms 
they're not at all what the pill was created for. You know, your skin issues, as you said, you're now trying to manage your skin issues at 29 because your hormones are so imbalanced. And so Mm -hmm. I've been looking into it. Now, this is something I've never been told as well. With me and um, endometriosis, it's because my estrogen levels are really high. So my estrogen would be totally out of whack. So now I'm looking at other opportunities or other options and, you know, natural options to help bring that back into balance. These aren't conversations I ever had. It was all the pill. And let's be real, I didn't even know about all the different cycles in your menstrual cycle either. I just thought you just bleed. I didn't know when I ovulated. I didn't know about the why I was feeling emotionally certain things. And then because I'm on the pill, it stops that natural cycle as well. So yeah. like now I'm as well working out the skin issues, but I'm also working out as my body's trying to balance back. Well, when am I ovulating? Why yeah. am I feeling flat today? Why do I have yeah. energy this day? So it's masking our body's revolution or an identification of all these different areas. It does have positives. And again, you know, Ellie's episode, she talked about endometriosis and being able to, some people manage that through the pill. The pill has its place, but it's just around education. Hey, it's Grace here. Just want to quickly interrupt the episode to say, it's time to start nourishing you. Join the eight-week program and get eight weeks of easy, delicious meal plans with full shopping lists. And at $5.50 or under per serve, it couldn't be more affordable to eat healthy. Each week, we'll give you a range of meals to cook that are quick and easy to prepare with minimal waste. You don't have to be a master chef to enjoy these nutritious meals. Plus fun online workouts, mentoring from industry experts, and access to our exclusive sleep school. Spots are limited. Join now. Now let's get back into the episode. So I'm very excited to have James on the podcast today, Clara, because I've been following his Instagram. I recommend everyone to go check it out because it's entertaining and educational. It's very fun, guys. Yeah. Yeah. Check it out. But the reason I'm so keen for this episode is because, as I mentioned before, I feel like I'm constantly battling acne. And at 29 years old, why am I still battling acne? I thought this was a teen problem. I'm seeing my friends have this clean, lush skin and I don't want these bumps all over me. I don't know about you guys, but have you ever walked into like Sephora and just gone, what the hell am I supposed to do? Oh, I don't even walk in because just walking past is overwhelming. I'm like, I don't, I don't know where to go in there. I have no idea. And I have no idea the difference between going and getting, you know, a $15 cream and a $50 cream and then there's like $150 creams like Mm -hmm. what are they doing for me what am I supposed to have in my arsenal I have no idea I am I am literally a deer in headlights when it comes to a lot of this stuff yeah I literally see what my friends are having in Mm -hmm. their um, bathroom cupboards I'm like oh I'll try that I'll try that but now there's serums there's eye cream there's face wash there's exfoliant and it's information overload So I'm so glad we have James on the podcast today because he clears out the overwhelm about skincare and he brings it back to the basics and he teaches us how to create a skincare routine that is cost effective and that we can do in our own homes. James, welcome to the podcast. We're so excited to have you here with us to clear out the overwhelm about skincare. But I wanted to start off and ask, how did you start Viviology? The way Viviology came about was pretty extraordinary because 
it had really been a, a, a career lifelong goal to create a skincare brand. And I had been working behind the scenes with a dear friend of mine, Elise Tran, who started the Daily Edited. And we were about two and a half years into trying to create a skincare brand and we were absolutely nowhere. There are so many moving parts when it comes to creating a skincare brand and you don't know what you don't know. And whilst, you know, Elise and I, we know a thing or two about, about business, we didn't necessarily know anything about creating a skincare brand. And we were both working full-time on our independent businesses, but um, our sort of motivation and um our determination to create a skincare brand was was not being met with with much output at all. So when Kate Morris, who was a longtime client of ours and who um, started Adore Beauty many years ago, came to ask me if I would be interested in heading up their first private label cosmeceutical brand, I was like, absolutely. So um, I, but first I actually had to go back to Elise and say, look, this opportunity has come about. And she was so gracious. She said, you've got to do this. So um, this happened right at the start of COVID. Of course, no, none of us expected any of this. So we spent the next th- two and a bit years working behind the scenes, never really being in, a, in the same room together but creating this skincare brand. So it was a great project to have whilst our clinic doors were closed, but challenging because of the sort of the worldwide implications that COVID had on sort of supply chain. Uh, it certainly took, it made the process a lot longer. When someone comes to you, you know, what are the main concerns that they're looking for and how do they actually start a skincare routine? Well, it's going to be very, very different for everybody. I think we, we speak to so many people that don't want to come in and see a dermal therapist that that can't come into a clinic for treatment. So we need to make sure that we've got advice for a multitude of different people that are wanting to care for their skin in lots of different ways. So I actually have an online uh, skincare consulting service with a friend of mine in Canberra, Yads Couchy. And so we talk to people virtually about their skin that can't get into a clinic or, you know, for, for, for that don't have time to get into the clinic. There's not a good clinic nearby them. They work too hard. They're too busy at home looking after children. You can get great results from skincare alone. And one of the first things we, we suggest to our clients is to surrender that you're not an expert. So many people are out there, you know, self-diagnosing their skincare their skin type, their skincare concerns, and they're very motivated and they spend a lot of money and time, but there's not necessarily getting where they they want to be. So, um, just just realizing that you that you're not the expert and that there are people out there that can help pair you with the right skincare for your skin type and for your skin concerns, I think is always the first place to start. So if they were building a skincare routine at home, what is a cost-effective way to start that? Always with the basics. And they're absolutely the least sexy of all the skin products out there. But (laughs) I have this philosophy that if you don't have the right cleanser, moisturizer and sun cream for your skin, then everything else that you apply subsequently just isn't going to work well. If you don't have your basics right, then quite often everything that you apply subsequently won't touch the side. So a cleanser at the end of the day does exactly what it says. It cleans, it cleans your skin. And I think that if you're going to go to the effort of applying anything that is active or anything that you're trying to um, have absorb into the skin, you need that 
clean skin because at the end of the day, our skin is a waterproof barrier. It doesn't want to let anything in. So skincare brands spend a lot of time and effort on creating delivery mechanisms to get those ingredients and products into the skin. So when you wake up in the morning and you've still got your skincare on from the night before and you've sweated and you've produced oil, your skin's gone through all its lovely natural processes, you want to pair that back, not strip it back, but clean your skin so that everything's going to work well. Then at the end of the day, you want to be washing off your makeup, washing off your sunscreen so that the lovely products you put on are also going to work their work well in the evening. Then a moisturizer is going to lock everything in. Our skin's very, very prone to natural dehydration um, and, and sensitivity, particularly as the weather gets cooler. So having that nice artificial sheath on the skin that isn't too rich and is making you break out but isn't undernourishing so your skin's trying to replicate more hydration on its own which can overwhelm the skin and have you breaking out and then the sunscreen as your final step in the morning a sunscreen that you love to use every single day Uh, for so many people their concerns are around uh, sun damage around premature aging and signs of aging so it's your first line of defense against those if you, once you've got those right and you love using them, then you start to slot in your active serums or ingredients that are targeting your main concerns. So for a lot of people, their concerns don't go beyond just wanting nice, clean, fresh, hydrated, protected skin. And so therefore your cleanser, moisturizer and sunscreen is all you need. But when you're like, okay, no, I, my skin's in a great place, but what are these little brown spots or these blemishes that I'm continuing to get from time to time um, or this sensitivity, then you can start to treat those accordingly. So really, mm. if we just strip it back, get back to the basics and then just find that one product that will help target what our issue is and then how long does it normally take to see results? I'm not suggesting that everyone just needs that one extra product. What I mean is you then go targeting your concerns with those next layers or those next products. Now, for a lot of people, they've got concerns of age management, hyperpigmentation, fine lines around the eyes, the neck area is starting to go. So that's when all of these subsequent products come into play, but you shouldn't be using things that aren't targeting your concerns. We speak to so many people who say my concerns are A, B, and C, but their skincare is addressing D, E, F. And so there's this disconnect between what a client wants from their skincare and what a skincare, what the skincare is actually able to do. So you always, as, as therapists, we have this, our clients' concerns as our guiding light. What are we doing today? We're targeting these things. So we're only going to pull out devices that are going to target them. So coming back to your question about how long does skincare take to work, it's going to be very, very different for everybody. Um, as therapists and as as clients and customers, we need to be patient in, in because quite often there is there's no exact science behind what we're doing here. Mm-hmm. You know, we're using um, some clinical data plus our own individual experience and intuition to be partnering the right skincare and treatments with our skins and closely watching the changes that are, that are happening. Um, there are certain things that can that can improve very, very quickly. So for a lot of our clients, their skin is very hypersensitized. They're mm-hmm. using a retinol too regularly or it's too strong for them and they're p- pairing that with an AHA and a BHA and their skin is screaming, help, help, help. 
So you take those products away, take out the protagonist, and the skin will often just revert back to its stronger self pretty quickly. For acne that has been an issue for a very long time, we'll often say to our clients, you know, how long have you had this problem for? They'll mm-hmm. say 12 months. We'll say, and and did it just pop up like it is today, you know, over a 24-hour period? No, no, it took a very long time to get like this. Well, we say, well, it might also take quite some time for it to revert back to where it is, but we're going to work as hard as we can. And the more input you we have from your perspective, the faster we, it will resolve. And everyone's skin responds responds at a very, very different rate. Some people mm. heal a lot faster um, uh, than others. Some people um, aren't necessarily doing the homework that they're saying they're doing. Uh, there's so many different reasons why skincare takes longer. Certain ingredients can function faster too. Like a vitamin C on the skin, I think, is so instantly brightening. Mm. I did a treatment on a client yesterday and when she got off the bed, she said, my skin doesn't feel like my skin. It was a 90-minute treatment for her to have a huge turnaround mm. because she'd have she'd had some issues with acne a very, very long time ago. So she'd been using a, a prescription-strength vitamin A since then, which had been maintaining her acne. But that was all part of um, some postpartum acne that she'd had. This right. is over two and a half years ago. And I've said to her, I really don't think you need to be on this vitamin A anymore because it really is making your skin very rough, very, very dry, um, dull like she's telling me her concerns are. So I said, we can pull that back now, but let me just really rehydrate you and refine your skin back. Um, and that was a very quick turnaround. But for some people, it's a much, much longer mm. process and there's so many variables that come into play, environment, lifestyle. For a lot of people, the stress that they're under is causing their skin to um, misbehave, but the fact that their skin is misbehaving is causing even more stress. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it can be this vicious, vicious cycle. Um, there's not one size fits all, but, you know, all these things to consider both as a therapist, um, because we can't be too hard on ourselves as well. You know, we always want the skin to be moving in the right direction, but, um, it's not always, uh, we're not always t- able to achieve the results we're looking for in the time, but in the time that we're, um, we allot ourselves really. So much of the work we do is about troubleshooting and communicating with our clients to ensure that whatever's happening with the skin, we're there to help and support. Um, and it's the same thing with the dial with the service I have with Yad's mm-hmm. Couch, which is called Dialodermal. You know, as as dermal therapists, we can't just flog our clients a, a range of skincare or, or administer a treatment because the changes happen after the sale takes place. So mm. we need to make sure that we're touching base with our clients all the time. Big concern that a lot of people have, and I think you mentioned it earlier in terms of post-pregnancy, sometimes during pregnancy, obviously teenagers breakouts. Like it's that mm-hmm. one thing, and especially as females, right, we seem to get it, you know, can be monthly. Um, so can. what, and it is one of those things that I think a lot of people really struggle with keeping under control, how how do you start, you know, and especially I guess teenagers, teenagers are one area that really don't know what they're doing with skincare and are really struggling to, you know, I, I know that there's that cycle and I think you spoke about it a little bit earlier, but that cycle of they wear a lot of makeup because they are trying to hide their breakouts and then that's mm-hmm. obviously just, yeah, 
that's, you know, exasperating the situation. (laughs) And the poor things just end up in this never ending cycle of, um, you know, not being able to get clearer skin. So Mm. if they are starting to, or if anyone during their life is starting to have these breakouts, what's the first thing that you would say to help them? So when it comes with the teens, there's there's a maturity issue, right? Mm. You know, as, as adults, we learn that, or as we get older, we learn that if there's a problem, it's often up to us to fix it, right? Whereas when we're younger, we don't necessarily connect that there's an issue here and I've got to be the one that's got to I've got to fix it. Yeah. And that's fine because they're being kids. There's, they've got a lot on their plate. They're, and the last thing they need is is a face full of breakouts. But often it's because they've got so much on their plate that that's why that's happening. But also they're growing and it's the hormones that's making mm-hmm. them taller that is, um, you know, accentuating their body shape and all those sorts of things that are the reason why they're breaking out. Now, you can get kids that are very, very good with a routine and they thrive off it and they're often the ones that achieve, can achieve better results. But we have teen treatments at our work because we've just sort of worked out that over the time, you know, best intentions, the, the parents come with them to the appointments, they go home with the skincare and they just don't use it. So mm. they come to us and we do, we do the work. We really clean the skin. We do the extractions. We, we focus on any available blemishes. We help to reduce further ones from, from reoccurring and they just come to us regularly. And, and we do the work and they, and they do as much as they can at home, but we do keep it really, really simple. But we're also very, very understanding that as dermal therapists, we're limited to what we can do. We've got great skincare. We've got, um, effective treatments, but a big part of what we do is also recommend our clients when they need it to other practitioners because mm. there's dermatological advice that's often needed for, for teens, for topical medication, oral medications. But, you know, we always go in optimistically. We say, look, where th- we'll be the first people that will know if this isn't working because a lot of parents will come to us saying, I don't want my kids going on Moracutane. Mm. We always give a bit of education about how the, the bad, um, rap that Moracutane has is, is, is often based on what used to happen where, where dermatologists would prescribe very high concentrations of Moracutane over a short period of time to just wallop the skin, right? And you'll get all the bad side effects that you hear yeah. about. Nuke it the out there. Dryness, the discomfort. Yeah. And then what often happened was because it was such a short dose, it would come back. So they just mm. read the, repeat the process over and over. The, the, the vibe now with Rakutane is a, a lower concentration over a longer period of time. So there's not so many bad side effects, both physically and mentally. So we always have a little chat about that because we, we, particularly if we've got, teens that have lots of inflammation, lots of cysts, because whilst, yes, there's an issue that needs to be treated today, there's also the rest of these kids' lives where they're going to have their skin and you don't want it to be scarred. So mm-hmm. there's we when it's looking like the skin's heading in the direction, we'll often sort of be like, look, it's time to go and talk to it to a doctor now. Mm-hmm. But um, a lot of, as I said, a lot of parents will come to, to us being like, I don't want to try that right now. We want to give this a crack. Um, so we'll say, yep, let's do it. If the skin's heading in the right direction, we'll persist. But if they're coming back and it's just getting worse and worse, all the improvements aren't seeming to, to be very evident, then we'll try some other approaches. Now, when it comes to adult acne, it's different because quite often the intention for fixing it, clients are often much more motivated. As dermal clinicians, we can't promise 
blemish-free skin. We can't but because there is such a hormonal element to what's going on predominantly with with um, skins belonging to females. But there are... There's, and there's often a lot of investigation that needs to go mm. into behind the scenes as to why it's occurring. But for a lot of people, it's skincare only that will that will help. For a lot of people, it's skincare and some treatments that that mm. will be enough. And for some people, it's it's unfortunately a lot lo- a lot longer journey to work out exactly what's going on. You talked about extraction of acne. And then I've also heard in the past, don't pop your pimples when you're at home and you do have stuff on your forehead. Do you leave it for the experts or can you do something to uh, remove it? (laughs) It's a tricky one to answer because, um, you know, for for most, for our clients, they have access to us. And so Mm. we actually have a complimentary service if you're a client of ours and you've got a big pimple that you're wanting to pick at home, you actually come to us and we'll quickly do it for you because not even me as someone that knows a thing or two about skin, I can't safely extract my skin at home. To safely extract a skin, you actually need the downward pressure. So when a client's mm-hmm. lying um, uh, with their face up to us where we prep the skin, we've, we, it's clean, we've got some tools to do it, but it's the downward pressure that actually safely gets the gunk out when you're standing in front of a mirror you can't achieve that so if i ever attack my skin i'll be left with a mark for at least a couple of months um so even an expert can't do it safely at home if you've got gunk under the skin that that needs to be extracted the best way to do it is to is to get a professional to do it now for a lot of our clients they often come to us they've had gunk under their skin for years it's just a few treatments to release it and then they go in thereafter with the right skincare that helps to prevent it from coming back some people are prone to consistent congestion so you'll need the right um either skincare or in clinic treatments or maybe even medications to get that under control but if you've got that just occasional blemish, uh, it's human nature, you know, there's something on the face. Quite often people do it, they don't even know they're scratching their face or squeezing their skin. They'll do it at their desk at work or whatever. But if you don't have access to a therapist that can do it for you, my tips are gently wash the skin, don't be too aggressive around the blemish. Sometimes it will just pop itself during that cleansing process because you've got to remember that a pimple is a wound in the skin. It's red because the skin's going through it, it, this natural inflammatory process. And when you go in and start hacking at it, you're just making that process take longer. So your skin is going to be more prone to scarring, more prone to delayed wound healing. You remember a pimple comes and goes, but a scar lasts a hell of a lot longer. Mm. So if it hasn't just popped in that cleansing process, then um, a warm face washer just to soften the tissue for a little while over the blemish and then come at it, like I said, just gently gently from around sort of all 360 degrees, um, 360 degrees, 360 yeah, 360. That's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 365 days in a year, 360 degrees. Yeah. Okay, great. Um, and then those creams that you see, I don't know why, they're all on my TikTok, um, and they're like, we'll remove your pimple in four hours. Is that bad for your skin to put it on there? There are these horrible videos of, of, of like a congested forehead that they put this cream on and yep. they wipe it off and everything's yep. gone. Well, I hope that everybody knows that that is, that they're doctored videos. Like that's complete <laughs> and utter sci-fi, right? Yep. Because that is, that, that is 
impossible. A, a product that can, that can work as a spot treatment that might have, um, some niacinamide or some salicylic acid in it can help bring the redness down. Um, but you've just got to be careful that you're not overusing them. Pimple patches can be, can be good too because it can stop people from picking. So you, you pop it on there and what they're doing is just slowly drip feeding the skin as I said, some salicylic acid or some hydration, some anti-inflammatory ingredients. But just be careful with some of them because they can actually rip off um, some of the skin too. Oh. Um, so I, I do I do see a little bit of, of, of that. So off the back of that, I mean, we just spoke about TikTok and we talked about some other videos. The other videos that I'm obsessed with are the pimple popping videos. I'm 100% sure some of those adopted. With the rise of the influencer and social media and so many of them talk about skin and talk about skincare routines have you found some of this information quite damaging or is it actually quite good that people are starting to talk about different skincare routines and different products that you can use Mm. look anything to raise awareness of the power of skincare is is of course going to be a great thing Mm. and so many people use the internet to find the skincare that hopefully is right for them. I have to say, you know, we our business or our industry was shut down for such a long time during those COVID years. Mm-hmm. So the social media allowed us to remain connected with with our clients and also meet so many new clients because, um, you know, one moment we were working one-on-one with our clients in a treatment room and then the next minute our doors were closed. So we were... Um, now just talking to multiple people at the one time, but with the exact same, you know, passion and, um, honesty and integrity as we always did. So we've loved utilizing social media in a way that we never ever did traditionally, but making sure, you know, we're staying on the right side of it. And so many other people are, um, because there are a lot of people out there with a lot of knowledge and a lot of passion for, um, getting information out to clients. So there's definitely a, a, a happy side to social media, but then there is the other side where um, people, and this is where I think it becomes very, very confusing for so many mm-hmm. people because um, everyone's, excuse me, everyone's an expert, right? Mm-hmm. So they're all getting up there and they're all talking about what they've used on their skin this morning and how much of a positive impact it's had on their skin and what their dermal therapist is doing to their skin. And that's great. And they're absolutely allowed to do that. But unfortunately, unfortunately, we just see all the time that people then don't, don't connect the fact that their skin, skin is very, very different. Mm-hmm. So, um, so many people are, are looking for solutions to their problems and they're quite often looking in the wrong areas. And that's where I think social media can play a bit of a negative role in, in, People often losing faith in mm. what we do because they've gone and they've bought A, B, C, and D because a whole lot of people suggested to do it and it hasn't worked and they've wasted their money and this stuff is crap and I'm not doing this anymore. Mm. But it was just unfortunately they followed the wrong advice and the wrong advice really is just advice that isn't relevant to them. The mm. best advice is what your skin needs. The best skincare is the skincare for you. Then if that's not confusing enough, then it's your skin changes. So you have to make sure too that you're changing up the right skincare uh, as your skin continues to change. So for people who obviously can't afford 
um, to go into someone like yourself. Where is that first point of source of truth? Like I'm biased, but you can jump on the Dialoderma website. It's mm. a $50 fee, but it's redeemable off skincare. So essentially okay. it's, it's a complimentary service. Online websites like Adore Beauty that have mm. a online chat feature, live online chat feature is really handy because you can ask the right questions yeah. um, to help steer you towards the best skincare. In our clinic in Melbourne, we also do complimentary consultations where you can come and bring all the skincare that you've got and, you know, your concerns and we can wow. help formulate a skincare routine Amazing. for you. That's um, a huge and service. I, and and the reason I say that is is more so because there are lots of other dermal therapists and skin clinics that offer either a complementary service or a redeemable mm. service because yeah. I think one of the best ways to find the right skincare for you is when someone is looking at your skin mm-hmm. and touching your skin and, as I said, a bit of an expert that knows a thing or two about the skin mm. that can pair your skin on the day with some skincare that will ideally work. And then some other tips is to, if you, if you, if you want to go at it alone, is to go slow. Okay, so start with those basics, get them right, know that they're working well, and then just go slowly because so many of the products and particularly the ingredients we've discussed today, like our vitamins uh, C and our vitamins A, they can be very active. And so Mm -hmm. for a lot of people, they get the cleanser, moisturizer, sunscreen, the vitamin A, the vitamin C, the alpha hydroxy acid exfoliant, the eye cream. Then they go home and they have a big reaction. Mm -hmm. Now, it's not that there's anything wrong with the skincare that they've purchased. It's just that they've gone in too hard, too fast. And then I read a weird and wonderful fact that natural ingredients like cutting some banana skin and putting it on your pimple, for example, can help remove it. Does home remedies and natural ingredients like that help with acne or is that just a myth? If a banana peel on the skin worked, <laughs> we'd be doing it at the clinic yeah. or, you know, or, or, or L'Oreal would, would be packaging mm. it. Like skincare brands and therapists, they, they want your skin to get better. No one's trying to, no one's keeping these secret remedies a secret intentionally. Um, a lot of people go down this natural road because they think I, I don't want any chemicals in my skincare, mm. right? Air is a chemical. Water is a chemical. Every mm. single thing that we consume is a chemical. So it's not about being chemical free. It's about using the right chemicals on the skin. And with cosmeceutical skincare, when it's formulated well, there's a purity to it. And so it's, it's actually about not being chemical free it's about having the right chemicals in that only advance the skin's complexion and having and being free of all the chemicals that don't need to be in there we're often having conversations with clients trying to make them feel more comfortable about using cosmeceutical and active Mm. skincare Um, and we therefore need to make sure we've got the right skincare to back that up that are very very pure from ingredients that don't have any benefit on the skin. You know, there's there's the whole concept of greenwashing where brands have been saying we're free of this and we're free of that, which makes people think that if anything's got those ingredients in it, that they must be bad for you. Um, so there's a little bit of a 180 happening at the moment. So Viviology, for example, we don't say we're free from anything. We um, have formulated very, very sophisticatedly so that, as I said, the ingredients are all functioning positively on the 
skin, but we're just not, we're not part of that conversation, making people think that they need to be scared of certain ingredients because they really, really don't need to. But the whole organic story and using at home remedies, if it's working, great. But if you're, if you're using them and you've still got a face full of blemishes, maybe it's time to look elsewhere. What is that one skincare product you can't live without? I love cleansing my skin. I mentioned before about when we were in lockdown, we did a lot of work over social media and I would jump online. I had nothing else to do. I'd jump online every morning and every evening and I'd do my skincare routine and I'd talk about a topic and people would ask me questions Mm. and I'd be cleansing my face and people would be writing, you're cleansing your skin for a really, really long time. You're cleansing your skin very, very aggressively. You know, you're very rigorous. You know, this this looks like the most amazing face cleanse I've ever seen. And I hadn't really realized that I cleanse my skin for a good two minutes and I use a lot of pressure. I really work on my T-zone where I can get more Mm. congested. I really like to work around my eye area that can get a little bit puffy. And we sort of discovered that through this two-minute cleanse, I was actually like activating a lot of different processes in my skin. My skin would, and temporarily, you know, firm up mm. and plump. It would be really, really invigorated, be stimulated and, and my skincare penetrating deeper. So that became a bit of a thing. And now we have mm. so many of our clients that do a two-minute cleanse as well. And so I do that at least once a day, if not twice a day. A cleanse can be, for some people, such an important step in the skincare routine, mm. prep your skin for everything else you're about to put on it. And also um, an opportunity to really work through areas of congestion um, and stimulate the skin, remove lymph, stimulate circulation, uh, give it a go. As you start to age, we've spoken about anti-aging, but as you start to age, what do you need to do for your skin? You know, obviously I, I notice now I've just had a seven month old baby and I've I've joked with Grace before, but it's funny that parents say that kids age you because I feel like as soon as I was like I literally gave birth and it was in the hospital, I was like grey hairs started appearing, my skin like changed, I was drier, I had wrinkles, like instantly kids age you. So mm-hmm. how, you know, how do you start changing through, I guess, the seasons of life? Now, it's easy for me to say this because I haven't had a baby, but, mm. um, and I am a man, if you didn't know that, but um, <laughs> there's, I think there's a little bit to say about when you're feeling a certain way. So like, as you said, yeah. you just had a baby. Yeah. exhausted, right? Yeah. You're not, you're, your body hasn't been your own for the last nine months. You're, you're, you've had a lot of, maybe a lot of drugs. You're, you're sleep deprived. Mm. You, you know, you've got to be on, on, on. Um, so you look in the mirror and that's what you see staring back at you. You see someone that is, is overwhelmed, underslept, tired, exhausted, yeah, But that's not actually how you look to everybody else. We often have our clients coming in saying they feel X, Y, and Z, and you're looking going, God, you look fabulous, right? Mm. But it's how you feel that is that is how you think you're expressing to the rest of the world. So we often say to people, do you know what? I'm, I'm sorry that you're feeling like that, but you actually look fab. You know, you, mm. you don't look like that. Um, so just a bit of food for thought that not yeah. it's not always how you feel is how you look. But... I love that. Everyone, everyone ages and everyone's skin changes in very, very different ways. 
sometimes for the better, sometimes for what you might conceive as as the as worse. So skincare and dermal therapies and all sorts of other things, psychologists, diet, it always needs to change as you change. And you might decide that you want to put a bit of effort in at different times and, you know, you can prioritize your skin or you might not be able to prioritize your skin. So what worked for you when you're 20, when you're 20 might still work for you when you're 40, Mm -hmm. but it also might not depending on how you're aging, how you've looked after yourself and what your priorities are. James, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. You have really cleared all our overwhelm around skincare. And if there are any listeners out there that want to learn more or reach out to James, we'll put links in our show notes below. Like this podcast, please give us a five-star review and share it with someone who you think would benefit from it. We want to help as many people as possible live healthier lives. This podcast is general in nature. We aren't doctors or health practitioners. But if this podcast has prompted something for you, we really encourage you to make an appointment with your health practitioner and get advice that is tailored to you. This podcast is recorded on the land of the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples.